This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 225. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. On this episode we continue our Russian Roulette franchise retrospective on the Phantasm series of movies. Up on this episode we're looking at Phantasm 2. Now joining me on this episode will be Bo Ransdell who is filling in for Ryan Lewis. Ryan has been, safe to say, hammered once again with another fucking horrible illness. And uh, all the love out to you, my friend, um, and your speedy recovery and return to doing another one of these down the road. Now, this is Monday, which means we're kicking off a brand new week of podcast. And what is in store for you, ladies and gents? Well, this is your Monday episode. On Thursday, we are doing Movie Club. That's right. Challenge Teapots for April is our fourth and final Hammer Horror episode. We're playing kind of footloose and fancy free with the the Hammer title this time with a Hammer and Shaw Brothers co-production. Now, you guys have until Wednesday to get your reviews in. I think I've got about three. So if that's what's there, that's what's there and we'll just have to deal with it. But I kind of thought I would have more by now. Unless you're holding back. Some of you guys like to hold back to the last minute and then release the episode. But yeah... Come on, let's get the finger out, let's make this a fun one. Get your reviews in for Wednesday. On Saturday, it'll be another listener choice episode. The movie selection choice poll will be up on the Facebook group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast, and that will be up on Friday for you to select a classic horror movie for review on Saturday and then on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Just before dawn is the movie we'll be covering as part of our 88 Films Slasher Classic collection. On the Teapots Collective coming tomorrow, that is Tuesday, you're getting the next instalment of Doing the Nasty. Myself and Mark Ball on episode number four of season two will be looking at Mansion of the Doomed or Mansion of the Damned or Mansion of Doom or Doom Mansion and the Headless Eyes. It's just a a cornucopia of ridiculous titles and to be honest, not great movies either. So that is coming this week from the Teapots Collective. Right, let's do this. I'm going to take a short break. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the trailer for Phantasm 2. When I return, I'm joined with Bo Ransdell right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook iTunes, Stitcher, LegionPodcasts.com, The Psychosemantic Podcast. Phantasm, the delusion of a disordered mind, a phantom, a spirit, a ghost. For ten years, the secret of Paragord Cemetery has remained a mystery. Now, three innocent people are about to discover the ultimate evil. You think that when you die, you go to heaven. You come to us. is back. Phantasm 2. It's only a dream. It's a dream. No, it's not. Rated R. 
And welcome back, ladies and gents. So, second movie up in this Russian roulette franchise retro looking at the Phantasm series. This is, of course, Phantasm 2. Now, originally scheduled to join me on this episode is uh, a man who's been on pretty much all the Russian roulettes in recent times because he had to sit through some of the worst movies earlier on that he just got a pass. He was going to be in every single one of them. Is our good buddy, Ryan Lewis. Now, Ryan, sadly, is is really not well at the moment um, and with everything that is flying around just now and the fact that that guy literally cannot cut a break when it comes to his health um, we've made the decision to to let him you know not be subjected to having to come on and speak where not necessary um, so yeah so our you know good well wishes thoughts prayers love the the full the full gambit uh, goes out to Ryan and his speedy recovery. Uh, stepping up out of the place though is no, you know, no shy guy. <laughs> like if we're if we're gonna if we're gonna bring someone in to take Ryan's place, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna aim big. I'm gonna bring in one of those heavy hitters. Uh, I'm gonna bring in my good friend from Duncan and Bull. Come correct, Mr. Bull Ransdell. How you doing, sir? I, I'm doing very well, and just <laughs> to slightly channel uh, Ryan, who. Good Lord. I mean, talk about shoes to fill. Yeah. Uh, not only does he have the, the best voice in all of podcasting or just Earth. Yes, Earth, I think his sphere. <laughs> and, uh, but also his his love of the Phantasm series Yeah, uh, is you just can't undersell it. So it is I, I hate the fact he is not here to have this conversation with you. I will do my level best to do him proud. And let's begin with a good old fashioned boy <laughs> he sent me a message where i was like i'll get someone else to do it and then a couple of uh, a couple of hours later he sent me a message saying by the way phantasm 2 fucking five out of five and i was like all right <laughs> okay thank you <laughs> like, yeah can't guarantee like, that's what's going to get on this episode but thank you <laughs> so, we we have to give a a full-throated and deep-throated yeah, defense hello. of of phantasm 2 here and um, and I'm I'm happy to do it on his behalf. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to remember. Did like so? Did you guys? Were well, you were back on Graveshift Radio before my joining of Graveshift Radio? Yes. And, like you guys went through the Phantasm series, didn't you? Yes. Yes, that's what I thought. And I, I was the one who, towards the back end of the series, was like, "Guys, we we need to have <laughs> we need to talk about Kevin. Um, <laughs> we need to talk about Ravager." Um, still not seen it. Still not seen it. It's on. It's on the docket, obviously, for the final movie. But I've still, still seen that movie. I. It's not the worst of the bunch, but it, like I after after three mm. is sort of where I feel like the series should have just gone away. <laughs> but, but but again, I'm I'm you know I'm pinch hitting for uh, Ryan Lewis. Yeah. So I'm I'm not going to be critical of those movies today. <laughs> Um, instead, I'm going to focus on what's important, which is Phantasm 2, Duncan. Yeah, yeah, written and directed by Don Coscarelli. Um, this movie, I mean, there's a whole host of familiar faces like Reggie Bannister and Angus Scrim. Um, we have, where's his face? A. Michael Baldwin. We have a couple of kind of new people joining us, and uh, Kenneth, is it Tigar or Tigar? <laughs> Uh, I'm not. Uh, I, you've seen him in everything. He's in everything, you, but I just don't know how pronounce his name. I would go Tigar and and a Michael Baldwin. Let's be honest, mm -hmm. is a cameo at best. Yeah, there's a, there's a there's a there's a bit of time. There's a bit of time. Um, not a not a huge uh, amount of time, but there's a, there's a bit of time there. This this is real. This movie is the Reggie Bannister show. Um, right, and like and James Lagrosse uh, takes over as the the character of Mike. It takes over as Mike. Yeah. So um, yeah, you have you have a, like you, we have a, a lots of different bits and bobs moving and shaking a lot of different kind of players in place here. The synopsis for this one is Mike, now released from a psychiatric hospital, continues his journey to stop the evil tall man from his grim work. Now, Phantasm 2, right, so Phantasm, wait, anyone that's listened to that first episode 
will have basically heard me say that Phantasm is top tier horror for me. It's amongst my favourite horror movies of all fucking time. It is essentially an Italian horror movie, you know, in the guise of an American movie. I mean, everything about it screams, you know, I could have been directed by one of the maestros. Um, just the way it's set up, the execution, the goofiness, the, the weirdness, the surreal dreamlike horror, all of it is weirdly not American. And then you swing into Phantasm 2, which by God should have fireworks, star-spangled banner, and everyone should be eating hot dogs and say, this is the this is the quintessential 80s American horror movie. Like this is this is what you get when you come back with a sequel. This is what happens when Evil Dead 2 is a success. And none of these things <laughs> that I'm saying are negatives against this movie at all. I just never really Phantasm to me was always it felt like it should be in a one and done just full stop. Like, like that movie mm-hmm. to me is just a, a weird perfect time capsule. And the fact that you then wait what nine years and then swing back in with a Phantasm 2, which is pitched at a completely different audience, not pitched really at the the people that were massive Phantasm fans. This is pitched at horror fans of that time period. And as right. a result, things are updated. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, there's a lot more money to play with. Um, but coming back to watch it, you know, I was... And it's been a couple of years since I watched this one. Uh, coming back to watch this one, I was surprised how quickly... I slip back in, in the kind of popcorn munching, beer drinking. I'm having a fucking great time watching this movie. Viewer, I mean, this movie is it's it's, it's just it's just like it's like a pure joy to watch, and it's and it's just and Don Coscarelli. Like I I I'm going to stress this throughout the entire season uh, of doing this. Don Coscarelli to me is is a guy whose brain just works at a completely different level. His imagination is just on a different level from everyone else like I would love to to see him and someone like a Guillermo del Toro trade monster ideas because um, I think I think what would come out of that would just be the most insane um, you know like collection of weird hybrid evil <laughs> that you've ever seen in your entire life with a slightly goofy spin um, Bo Ransdell, you know the drill here. On a Russian Roulette franchise retro, I'm going to pitch you four questions. Those four questions are going to test you. That's right, you, Bo Ransdell. Uh-huh. Uh, the, first, like, the questions are going to range from, you know, what did you like about the movie? What did you dislike the movie about the movie? Um, in terms of this being the second movie uh, and, and the, the, the understanding of a canon of movies only two in, does this make any egregious errors? Um, and then the final question is, you either have to recommend this movie or not, and pick a scene from the movie to justify your decision. Are you ready, good sir? I, I couldn't be more ready. <laughs> right, well, let's kick it off. Right, let's start with uh, Boransdo. What does Phantasm 2 do well? Uh, it does a lot well, Duncan. Um, here is my metric for a good sequel. Mm. Does it pay homage to the original in a satisfying way? Um, Does it expand the universe in a satisfying way? And is it entertaining in its own right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to answer your first question in a series of 13 parts. (laughs) Uh, No. (laughs) Uh, I think, I think it does all of those things really well. Mm -hmm. It, It is, a direct continuation of the first film, which I always like in a sequel where it's like, hey, remember the end of the first one? We're starting right there. Yeah. I think that's cool. And it does that well. And and not only does it pick up where the first one left off, it bridges the past and the future in a kind of clever way with, as you described in your, uh, uh, your description of the film, the synopsis, that basically Mike is thrown into the giggle factory for a while (laughs) because of all the talk he has about tall men and balls flying around drilling into people's craniums. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, clearly this kid is disturbed and damaged potentially. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then goes to Reggie, like when he finally gets out because he's playing coy and whatnot. He's like, oh, that was silly. That tall man shit. I don't know what I was thinking, Doc. And then as soon as they let him out, he's like, Reggie, we got to go get this fucking tall man. You know, (laughs) like I like all that stuff real well. Um, And it 
so it it takes the mythology of the first one it certainly expands it throughout the film like you get uh the gravers mm-hmm. and you get a look at the other side in this movie uh which is is really cool and weird and kind of gross <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um and on its own right like you said it it is a wildly entertaining movie it's not Mostly, I think, because of the influence that Universal had. Universal produced this movie. It was, I mean, an honest-to-goodness studio film. Even though I think the trivia is that it was the lowest budget of any Universal-produced movie of the 80s. (laughs) Which is that does not surprise me. (laughs) Right, but also... That still ain't nothing. That's still better than the budget of Phantasm. Yeah, and it, to be honest, it doesn't show either. Like, specifically watching this movie in its kind of remastered, blurry version, um, I mean, there's a couple of things that you can see which I'll lean into as negatives, but even then, they're not really negatives. But I think, you like, when I watch this, when I watch this movie, what I love about it is... Uh, Essentially, like you say, kicks off right from the previous movie, and we right we're, we'll touch upon the the, the bad hair die in a minute, but um, but you know it concludes that really quickly, and then jumps through that psychiatric ward really fucking fast, um, and it then gives our characters an excuse with the the death of uh, Reggie Bannister's entire entire family. Um, it gives us... Well, that, all that happens within the first 15 minutes of this movie, and then we're off to the races. It's like, right, we've right. done that, we've, we've, we've concluded all this stuff here, and now this is a road movie for a bit, and let's just, let's just get on with it. I love that about this movie, because it, that 15 minutes doesn't feel like... It's embarrassed by you know the previous movie and it's trying to shush it and put it to the corner in favor of this new wild action horror fantasy movie. If anything, it's like no, no, no. Like we are, we're going to take these templates, these set pieces here, and we're going to conclude, round off the story, so to speak, and then continue our journey for the tall man who, in the interim, while all this all this crazy shit's been ha- happening, has just been going town to town like a plague of locusts just wiping out middle America you know small town after small town and I, I love that aspect about it you, like, you're talking about does it expand the mythology there's a there's a part of me that feels that when we come to talk about on almost every episode actually when we come to talk about the does this movie jump the shark I think Don Coscarelli's ability to build worlds around things like inherently mean that Phantasm can never really jump the shark because he's always all the additions he makes feel completely plausible in the scenario that we know very little about the tall man. You know what I mean? Like so what we tag on to is yeah, right, oh yep, so that the balls just don't have drills in them. They also have little slicey things, so that's fine. Yeah, why not? You know, and um right, we've got these uh these little kinda even more sadistic evil Jawa creatures are these things that look like deadites um, now coming back and why not because why not and as a result of that I just I think that's what makes the movie entertaining is that it understands the beats of a, a horror movie it understands what audiences want and it never feels like it's forcing to please you it just feels like well wouldn't it be fun right now if these weird ghoul things popped out the screen yeah it would be well let's put some weird ghoul things in there and you know you get through it all and I mean Angus Scrim it looks like he's having a ball in this movie but <laughs> like in the first movie and I love the first movie he's very I mean it's part of the you know <laughs> what what is my line and what is my method here well, you know give me my motivation he's very stiff and very deliberately stiff and it works very well and this one he's a bit more animated he's he's having a bit more fun the one-liners he has are not like eye-rolling one-liners which i appreciate in any horror movie by 1988 like you know like the suck on these balls you know like it is like, you know, you know, you know like the fact that we're not getting something as obvious as that you know yeah. I, I i have a whole hell of a lot of time and then you give me like Reggie as a character here who is like an even more hapless Bruce Campbell and I'm kind of in my element I, I kind of like everything the movie's doing yeah like Reggie goes from not only do, does he become a straight up action hero in this movie mm-hmm. 
he goes from my wife and kids are dead to I'm going to get some strange on the road <laughs> real quick. But when you've got an itch, you need to scratch it. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's very funny to me that he's immediately like, hey, let me get out. Did I tell you I play guitar too? Why don't you come up to the bedroom? I'll just play you a song and, you know, whatever happens, happens. Are you are you insinuating, Bo, that maybe the accident in that house was not the tall man? <laughs> yeah, I think Reggie looked at this as a uh, as an opportunity more than a tragedy. <laughs> maybe the family life wasn't wasn't built for Reggie. And <laughs> Operation Remove This Ball and Chain is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the silver sphere and chain. Uh, got lost pretty quick. And, you and all saw it was it. a tall man. He did it. <laughs> right. Did you guys see that house fucking blow up? That was crazy. The tall man must have done that, right? Right, Mike? <laughs> high five, anyone? <laughs> I mean, a morning, but high five, anyone? Um, Should we go check and make sure that Let's see if there are any survivors. No, no, no. Uh, we should probably just hit the road. I'm pretty sure everybody died. Yeah. Uh, Plus, it goes from, like, in the first movie... I mean, he's a, he's a, he isn't as clumsy a character and he isn't the brunt of many jokes. And this movie turns him in to that very comfortably. You know what I mean? It doesn't it, it, feel yeah. like a stretch at all. It doesn't feel like they're, you're belittling this character that we, you know, we, we, we know and love from the first movie. If anything, it feels like this organic kind of transference into a completely different type of character or archetype character which you know you just like to me I just roll with it really easy yeah and it's so uh, more phantasm trivia for you uh, <laughs> ball heads out there is what they're called um, so Reggie Bannister stars in Phantasm mm-hmm. in, in 79 and then just goes back to his day job he does not do another movie until Phantasm 2. That's nuts. I, right. And then after that, he's, you know, he's had a film career ever since and, and continues to do so, I, I assume. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he, like, the fact that they turn this dude into kind of a horror action star, they, they clearly give him the Ash facelift. Of course they do. And which I, I'm not complaining about that. I'm saying you're right. It fits him well. Reggie Bannister seems as as an actor seems well suited to play that kind of like, hey, I'm here to kick ass, but I'm probably gonna trip over myself in doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna and, I, I, I will save the day, but I'm just letting you know it will be by accident. Right. I'm gonna I will I will by sheer happenstance, this is all going to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of love that. I think it's a great take on the character. I think it's a lot of fun. And again, it evolves the the characters and the relationships. He, you know, he starts off being like, Mike, all that tall man shit was that, that was all bullshit. And then as soon as his house blows up and he realizes like, I'm free, I can do anything <laughs> I want. Let's get the Hemikuda out. And just hit the road and have an adventure. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what the movie becomes. Yeah. And and it's terrific. I also you know? I also love the the fact that like, the tall man as a static villain um continues the same practice regardless what town he's in. And I right. like part of like, yeah, the the the, uh, the cacophony of characters around them get more bizarre, zany, and out there. And I, once again, I I enjoy that aspect. There isn't a CD saying a bite popping up, so I'm in. You know what I mean? Like you know what I mean? This is done in a way which feels once again in keeping with. Like we can add these ghoul characters and we can make these little Jawa things a bit more terrorizing and see more of their face and you know like and the the balls have more like gadgets and all the rest on them, and like and we can do that and keep it tonally in place without pulling a CD Cenobite. You know what I mean? <laughs> we were like that. Oh yeah, well the kids these days listen to the CDs, so let's make you know like without like really jumping the fucking gun on it. We, we can keep it weirdly grounded, but like we have. Like the tall man sets up an almost identically 
the you know the same sort of idea of these big kind of towering um, mausoleum like buildings. He has this like the first time he bumps into is it Paul Irvin's character. Um, like he has the same conversation about exactly the same conversation that he has with um, oh, Mike's brother in the first movie, um, mm-hmm. where, where he's like you know the you know the, the, be prepared for the ceremony. All these things are exactly the same as they play out. And I re- I appreciate that because when you start to understand more about what he what his modus operandi is, Bo, and that makes sense to me, that he's stuck in this perpetual loop of just travelling through, kind of doing the same process, repeating the same lines, um, to the, you know, like, to, to, to people in a way which feels like, yeah, if I was an alien creature hell-bent on, con- you know, Harvesting bodies and taking them back to my world to create an army of mini demons. Um, you know, like my understanding of the earth would be as limited as that loop as well. So that would make sense to me. So, like, small attention to detail, whether accidental or deliberate, like, really, I enjoy that. I also really enjoy the fact that we are, I mean, like, Angus Grimm was a fair age when he first played the tall man and he's of a fairer age now. But we can lean into that with makeup to enlighten specifically to make him look even more menacing and more gruesome. Like he's he's a much more scary character in this movie than he was in the previous one. Even though in the previous one, I would argue his scariest scenes are in that. Um, you know what I mean? And we we yeah. do we do Nightmare on Elm Street stuff where whereas Nightmare on Elm Street rips off the end of the Phantasm completely, completely rips it off. Um, we jump to Phantasm 2 and we are getting things which are rip-offs of Nightmare on Elm Street. Like the, the weird worm face creature thing that comes at the back of, uh, once again, I think it's Liz. Um, you know, to start talking, is basically the giant Freddy worm. But, uh, you know, like, it works in this movie. Like, once again, Don Coscarelli has a, a weird way of just being like, I can almost throw anything at these movies and, you know, none of it will feel like uh, you went one step too far. You know, you should just hold it back. It all just works. I love it. I'll also hear Sam Raimi's ashes. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, Robocop's grave. Like, there's a lot of little jokes in there that yeah. clearly Coscarelli put in to make him and his friends laugh. Yeah. And, and it's probably worth saying, like, Sam Raimi was on the set of Phantasm 2 a fair amount. Mm-hmm. Not directing or anything like that. He Just he and Coscarelli are buddies. Yeah. And so... You know, Sam Raimi, the guy who did Evil Dead 2 and, and really created the template for how to make your sequel crazier and more successful, mm-hmm. is hanging out on the set of a sequel that is crazier and, and you know, at least financially speaking, is more successful. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things where you can argue uh, very, very successfully, I think, that phantasm is a much more as you said it's almost a a, like a euro horror film that accidentally got made in the u.s Mm -hmm. whereas phantasm 2 is 80s american horror just through and through it is bone deep yeah and and it has some weird elements to it but no weirder than something like a reanimate oh definitely my my one of my one of my regrets is like had I really went back and watched Phantasm 2 with any like renewed interest back when I was doing the summer series for the 80s I would have went to bat much because I genuinely when this movie finished I was just like why did I not watch this movie more often that I, like I think it is that kind of the, the mentality of I hold the first movie in such high esteem that when I think about the sequels, even if I do enjoy them, I'm kind of like, ah, you know, if you, if you, any, any div- given day you put Phantasm and Phantasm 2 in front of me and say, which one are you going to want to watch? I'll pick up Phantasm. But after this, like, viewing specifically for this, this recording, um, by the time Phantasm 2 had finished, I was like, yeah, I mean, we basically repeat the same ending. You know, like, there's a lot there's a lot of what goes on in this movie that it does the sequel thing where we're, like, falling into kind of remaking, like, shots from the previous movie, but just with better budgets or, like, a slightly different twist on it. But at the end of it, I was like, fuck yeah. Like, I really, like to the, the point that 
you know, I, I could happily sit down and watch the second one again tonight and just have a ball with it. Um, I think there's... I think the second movie in, uh, you know, any franchise is, can be problematic because the inclination is to either just remake the first movie again or the inclination is to make it as different from the first movie as possible to show you have range if you're especially if you're a returning director to show you have range you can do other things look at all this like you know i think there's it's easy to fall into either trap as well and neither neither version of doing you know the the kind of the beefed up remake or the you know the look at this completely different alternative vision that I have in place um, is necessarily the go-to. I think the kind of three-point that you set out there is really how horror sequels should be judged. You know, like, are, are we expanding the universe in a way which doesn't feel forced? Um, you know, are we are we bringing, like, more to the story, more more entertainment? You know, like, for, like things that feel like these should go without sacrificing the the hard work done in the first movie and then ultimately just on a pure entertainment value like how does this how does this work um like there's no way you can do a second kind of dreamy like euro horror movie in 1988 call it phantasm 2 and and have it remotely marketable to a, a large studio or I think have the staying power that Phantasm 2 weirdly has because I think it, it knows its audience, it's moved with the times and it, it, it satisfies a thirst that you might not know you have for a movie which is a sequel to a movie that you might not want. Um, I think for all those things, it's one of those... It's, it's weird. Like I, I genuinely thought coming back in again, I was going to be like that. Yeah, I'm wholly expecting Phantasm 2 to drop down a notch from the last time I watched it and if anything it's, it's higher than the last time I watched it so yeah, yeah it's it's, you know we were having a discussion uh, prior to the show about sequels that may ultimately feel unnecessary oh yes and this is one of those movies where like you said after you see Phantasm you're like well how the fuck do you make a sequel to this mm. you know and then you see Phantasm too, and you're like oh that okay yeah. yes that's how you do it. And, <laughs> and and it makes something that feels like at, at first glance, you might think to yourself, I don't need to see another Phantasm movie. As soon as you see Phantasm 2, you're like, oh, well, I'm, I guess I'm just in for a series of movies at this point because I like the way that, you know, as we've discussed, I like the way it, it kind of fleshes out this world and gives these characters that we saw in the first movie more to do and different stuff to do. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it that's, it, that's a goddamn successful movie. If you can do that, you know, that's, that's the thing that's really impressive about it from, you know, Coscarelli's point of view that he, he can take his really unique vision and turn it into something partly because universal was like, listen, motherfucker, you are not doing all these crazy dreams. <laughs> like you did in the first movie. And he was like, well, that's what the first movie is. And they're like, yeah, but that ain't what the second movie is. Yeah. And so he had to adapt his own mythology into something that universal thought was going to be more palatable for an audience. And I, and he did it. Yeah. But if anything, it's more abstract, if you know what I mean? Yes. Well, which, which is, we'll get of, into that. which is what I, you know, I kind of like, part of me kind of loves is that, you know, by giving the, right, here's the, the kind of ghoul-like zombie deadite creature, and here's the weird little, jo- like, and here's the ball that you know, and all the rest, but in the background, there's all these allusions to, like, a much bigger, much more obscure, abstract story, which, once again, Coscarelli's like, I'm gonna give you some, but I ain't giving you all, um, because I, one, I either haven't written it yet, or two, you know, I just don't want it at this moment. Um, and I, I love those aspects as well. I think I think there's... It's very easy to be in the alternative universe where we're sitting talking about Phantasm 2 going, well, this movie's a shit show. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, and the fact it holds together and stands up. I mean, the late 80s is not kind to a lot of horror viewings just because... You know, there was a lot of shit coming out at this point. Uh, and the fact that this is this kind of 
you know, like diamond in the rough for me in terms of just pure entertainment is something that I do enjoy. Um, we have we've filleted this movie quite a bit. Uh, let's let's still get to things that maybe don't don't work for Phantasm okay. Two. But um, I I just wanted so get one of the things that sadly the high def has a negative impact in is the earlier scenes that kind of recreated. Well, while you know, whilst Mike's upstairs getting grabbed through a window, this is this is what's happening to Reggie downstairs, and it is clearly someone has taken some boot polish and just painted his hair with it, um, and powdered his face with a ton of fucking makeup to try and hide wrinkle lines. Because we didn't have you know uh, de aging technology back then, we just had makeup and hair color. Um, and whilst, like, it's fun and it's goofy and it's all the rest, there is part of me that when watching it in a, you know, a 2K master, I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, I can sure. see that. Um, what, what about you? Like, talk to me about some of the things that maybe you feel that Phantasm 2 doesn't do well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know that I have a, as big a problem um, with... You know, hey, we gotta put some pancake makeup on on Reggie so he doesn't look like he's fifty. Um, yeah, and even the shift in hey, we're going from uh, a Michael Baldwin to James LaGrosse, that all seems fine. I mean, you change actors all the time in movies, oh, yeah, uh, in movie series and whatnot. Um, I'll tell you the the part of this movie that works the least for me. Because it's sort of the least fleshed out and it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. is the psychic connection between um, Liz and Mike. You know, it, it kind of leads them to each other. Yeah. But that's sort of it. And yeah. and there's the one scene where they're in bed and they're like, oh, can you read my mind? Um, <laughs> and then they fly over the city and it's very romantic. <laughs> But um, I don't know that that works super well for me, Uh, you know, but that's honestly, that's kind of my biggest gripe is that the the psychic connection stuff feels a little underbaked. Yeah. And and maybe that's, you know, like there's a director's cut or there was an assembly cut of the movie that had like Mike and Liz like fucking all over the world or something and like some of the that stuff is like what yeah what was happening in this movie and and it feels like there was a lot of this movie was sort of found in the editing of it and or or at least trimmed in such a way that it it became a slightly different thing in the editing and and that's fine that happens all the time in movies uh but it feels like there are some threads in this movie that just never pay off yeah they're not and that's the biggest yeah yeah they're not fully tied up i think coscarelli that for all i'm praising them as being this uh, incredible creative mind you know for for horror just as his imagination is incredible i think there is a reason that when you get to part four so much of that is unused footage from other movies because i mean he's shot so much in the first three movies that just didn't make anything because there are ideas that I think at the time he's like, oh, we need to get this shot or we'll put this idea down there. And I don't necessarily... I always get the feeling that there's a script outline <laughs> that's given to maybe the studio and then there's Coscarelli's script. Uh, and Coscarelli's script is a lot more complicated than the one given to the studio and it involves a lot more stuff. Uh, and as a result of that, you know, if the producers aren't quite watching what's happening on the screen, then we, we've got, like like you say, fucking all over the world. Um, I, yeah, I, I think there's... Once again, I don't think it necessarily breaks the movie, but yeah, like a bit of... A bit of explanation. I mean, I'm all down for, like, all of a sudden we have a psychic connection. Fine, right? But tiny little bit of explanation would maybe help, even if it's a, a scene where... You know, she's had some traumatic prior experience with the tall man, which, you know, like, or a near-death experience or anything that would give her, like, a full, full-blown full connection to Mike in a way which kind of felt kind of semi-satisfying. 
that being said, though, I, you know, I, I'm with you. I, I think it's it's, it's maybe, it's, I wouldn't say needless. Um, it's an addition that's tagged on here to bring in another new character because I think that's like I think we sometimes forget about even though we have our core here um, of characters like Phantasm very quickly understands that what it needs to do is for better or worse introduce a whole lot of characters especially by the time we get to the third one we have nunchucks in that movie motherfucking nunchucks yeah you know, like well, we're adding we're adding people in in tow like we're just like right and now we'll bring in this character and now we'll have these characters in this movie they're still kind of toying around with that idea without I think necessarily doing too much with it but a bit of time invested in explaining the importance of that connection because ultimately without spoiling things um, you know the next movie we ditch we ditch her very fucking quick. So any, like right at the beginning, so any potential kind of, any potential sit down and, you know, like the the importance of their, you know, which isn't really weighed out, but if there is an importance to the, the their connection, or which you would think if they've got a psychic link, there would be, is dropped real fucking fast. So either we can't secure that actress again like you've said you can swap actors and actresses that's fine um, or maybe it's not as important to the story and if it's not as important to the story why do we spend as much time maybe leaning into it which I mean contextually only really becomes an issue by the third movie but it's still worth you know like taking that view as well we've added it in here for a reason it doesn't necessarily fully play out in a way out with they find each other but there's other you know uh kind of creative ways to, to line that up. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm not, like like I say, I'm, I'm kind of, and I think you're in the same boat, I don't necessarily think it breaks the movie, but when I'm seeing everything, when I'm seeing so much action horror happen around me that's goofy and fun and on point, those things do stand out. Yeah, it is the least interesting thing about the movie. Yep. And, and the fact that it doesn't go anywhere makes it, also the most frustrating thing about the movie yeah and it's never it's like we once again moving forward in the series we don't really have more psychic connections or anything else it's just dropped after the second movie so i don't know i don't know it's a it's, it's a weird a weird choice but like you say there is so much of this that ended up on the cutting room floor um that maybe this is one of these things where like listen we need to have these characters together to make this movie happen, so there's no way for me to cut this, which chops out the psychic thing. So we're just gonna have to take it as this unanswerable question in a movie that at times raises unanswerable questions. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm out with that though. I'm kind of I struggle to think of. I, I think the the practical effects are on fucking point in this movie. Yeah, really um, good. Like like incredible for the time period. Uh, and Coscarelli's a bit of a purist that way. Um, specifically in this time period for really leaning in those practical effects I think they're all brilliant I think it's got a good sense of humour it's paced really well the soundtrack's bitching you know there's just so much to like about it and if that's only the real negative um, that's a negative I can live with Bo uh, like if you know what I mean yeah I, I'm with you it, it it bothers me when I'm watching that scene with them in bed you know doing the can you read my mind thing yeah and then I never think about it again. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> because too much good shit is happening on screen. Right. So let's talk about, like, I've already kind of made a statement here. That statement is that, you know, Phantasm, weirdly, and its way of handling things, or Don Coscarelli's way of handling Phantasm, is that we keep expanding the universe. Which means, on some level, if we keep expanding the universe of knowledge and characters and whatnot that the opportunity to really fuck with the canon is, you know, it's high. That's a high ratio that, you know, the canon's going to get fucked in the next movie. Um, however, I feel he does it really, really well. Like, because we're starting from a basis of, like, the tall man is an alien and he's harvesting bodies. And that's literally all we know. Uh, and there's some things running about the place that are weird and we never really get that. By the time we move to the second movie and expand it out, to me, it doesn't feel like it's jumping the shark or putting anything on the screen that is um, an egregious sort of misstep 
in and kind of expanding things out. But that's just my opinion. What's your opinion on this one? In terms of, uh, speaking of canon, this being the second movie in, does this go down directions out with the psychic stuff, but does this go down a direction which feels unmerited from that first movie or of anything has Coscarelli done a good job overall? I, I think he does a great job with expanding what the Phantasm universe is. Mm. Well, like you mentioned earlier, all the different, like here's some new monsters. Here's a, a bit more explanation of here's what these troll things are. Um, here's a little more about, you know, the mortician and the gravers and like, oh, those are the guys who exhume the bodies and wear these cool gas mask things. Mm-hmm. You know, all that stuff is really neat. Uh, the the psychic stuff we just talked about, like, that kind of falls flat. But it would be an interesting idea if it went somewhere. It just yeah. doesn't. Um, but beyond that, it's, you know, it's ultimately a, we're given just enough information about, or just enough continuing information about the tall man and the other dimension and that kind of thing to make it um, feel like a narrative so that you understand that, yes, there is an actual story taking place here and also uh, feel like you're learning more, but not so much that it spoils the kind of enigma and the otherworldliness of it. Like there, there's, um, I know this phrase gets thrown around a lot these days, but there is this cosmic horror element to it yeah. of here is this force at work that in some ways is kind of inscrutable that we, we can't fully divine the, uh, the motivations of it other than they have uh, their own agenda. And if you get in their way, they're going to destroy. You. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Reggie and Mike, then insert themselves in the path of of the tall man and his minions as they begin harvesting corpses on their way to taking over the world i think mm-hmm. and but then it's that's all you kind of get from this movie and that's kind of enough like it's enough to justify the action of the film and and further explore you know Coscarelli's imagination surrounding it but not so much that it feels like there are heavy doses of exposition delivered in the movie that drag it down. Because at the end of the day, this movie is only somewhat concerned Mm -hmm. with, with, you know, the mythology of the series and so forth. At, At the end of the day, it is an action horror movie and it doesn't really ever forget that. So when you have the down moments and you do get some exposition, that that stuff is all fine but it gets back to the business of just being you know a rocking uh, action horror film pretty quickly agreed agreed we are on point here um so i'm assuming from your high praise this is a movie that you would recommend is there a single scene in this movie that if you were speaking to me a guy who hadn't seen phantasm 2 you would say oh you need to see phantasm 2 this happens in the movie. What would that scene be and why? Oh, man. I mean, it's tough. It, it's tough because there is some good shit in here. Mm-hmm. Um, it It's probably going to be the scene of Reggie fighting a mortician with a chainsaw <laughs> or one of the gravers <laughs> with a chainsaw, which culminates in him using a four-barreled shotgun. Yeah. Of his own making to murder a bunch of Jawas. Yeah. And if you put that scene in front of me and we're like, this is maybe not the best scene of this movie. Mm -hmm. Then you've got a, you've got a viewer, (laughs) you know, (laughs) (laughs) that, that scene's really good. I, there are a couple of also rants for me. I think the scene of the grandfather showing up in the bed of the grandmother oh, is yeah. really creepy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really good. And I also think the the ultimate fate of the tall man in this movie is a good goopy kind of effect scene. 
Yeah. Oh, and I that's, love that. Yeah. And that's not even getting to how awesome the spheres flying around are, including a gold sphere that has a laser detector or something. Yep. <laughs> or something. I mean, <laughs> yeah, or something. But all of that stuff is just cool. Yeah, when when, and, when that when that sphere takes off um, the priest's ear, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, fuck, and then it comes. So it takes off the ear, then comes back and does its business by drilling in his head, which it didn't. It didn't need to take the ear off, but no one is happier than I that it did that. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yeah, I, I wanted to see that. It lets me like the 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 effects in this movie are. Like the effects and the imagination of this movie are the reason to watch this movie. You yeah. know what I mean? Like again, the, the acting is fine. It's not top tier, but the no. acting in this movie is fine. But everything else, um, you know, the acting can be at the level it's at because everything else is operating on such a higher level. So I'm fine with it. And it's also worth saying again. It's also just fun. Mm-hmm. The movie just feels like a good time from. From the time it starts to the time it ends, it feels like you are you are on a rollicking adventure with Reggie and Mike. Yeah. And the goofier Reggie gets, the more I'm like him just terribly seducing <laughs> this girl alchemy. Um is is hilarious, but it kind of is great. Like her kissing his bald head and just be, I love your head so much. Yeah. Like all of that shit, there are so many little moments throughout this movie that I'm like, this movie is just a good time. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I have no, it's one of those things. If you've never seen the Phantasm series, I mean, start with the first one, sure. Mm-hmm. But Phantasm 2 is going to be a very different experience than that. But if you're, like you said, you know, get yourself uh, 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 some popcorn and a soda or a beer or something yeah and just let the movie happen and the less <laughs> the less you pay attention to the story almost the better off you are yeah <laughs> you know just let it kind of wash over you and you know i've seen this movie a ton mm-hmm. and going back and watching it for this show was i i kind of went into it thinking like all right well i you know i know i know phantasm too duncan mm-hmm uh, and then watching again, I was like, it, like you uh, were saying earlier, like, man, I should watch this movie more. This should be like once every year or two. I oh, should definitely. just strap in for Phantasm 2 because it's so good. There's there's a part of me that has like this weird kind of idea for taking like a month of the year and just watching what I think are infinitely more fun, entertaining um you know, second installments of horror franchises. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and you know, Phantasm Two is definitely in the mix for for, for sure. that sort of one for 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 definites. Um, interestingly enough, like through our conversations here, uh, originally I had kind of I'd kind of swanned in with us being like, well, this is a four star movie, and then through the talking. I found that I, I'm sorry, Ryan. I can't give it a five. Phantasm is a five for me, and I can't give this one a five. But I'm, I've talked myself up to a four point five, which is damn near a five. So don't hate me. Uh, but that's the grade I'm coming in with. I, I genuinely think this is a fun fucking time, um, notwithstanding some of the things that were pointed out that maybe feel um, uh, not fully realised in the the final edit of the movie, or in my case, where I can see. <laughs> where I can see where we're trying to stitch things together in a way which maybe, yeah, you know, like the the Blu-ray technology has not been the kindest. And with that, though, it's, it's, just, it's, it's, um, it's entertaining from start to finish for sure. And yeah, I'm going to stick with a 4.5. What about yourself, Bo? Where are you coming I mean, with your grade? Look, I am just filling a seat for Ryan. Ryan has spoken. This is a, a five-star film for Ryan. I'm not going to uh, replace his score with my own. Mine is probably a little bit lower than that. Um, left to my own devices, I would probably say it's about a four-star movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, look, uh, it, it's a hell of a lot of fun. And you know, based on our, our history together, I tend to score low. Yes. Um, and... So my four is uh, is a four and a half or five in a different world, and 
Yeah, it's great. It's great. Like you can, in my mind, the series is never this good again. Yeah, yeah. Having having watched the third movie uh, and realizing that I'd only ever seen half of the third movie, so <laughs> having watched the third movie now and you know gearing up to record that episode, um, yeah, the third movie is not as good as as part two. Um, yeah, it's it's fun. Yes, the Roxy stuff is kind of fun. Uh, but yes, it is not. the The first film is dreamlike and uncanny. Mm-hmm. The second movie is a shit ton of fun, and then there are a bunch of other scenes. <laughs> Bo, you have uh, a myriad of different um, things that you do over on Legion mm-hmm. Podcast Network. Uh, Pick your right. wares, sir. Yeah. Okay. So I'll say that uh, uh, Pick Six Movies um, is an uh, biweekly show. Uh, comes out fortnightly every other Friday uh, where we do uh, my, my old friend, Chad, a guy I went to kindergarten with Chad, uh, or I, I called you Chad. Sorry. <laughs> a guy I went to kindergarten with named Chad Duncan. Good. Uh, so I've known him for about 40 years and uh, he and I uh, collect a, a set of six movies built around a theme. This uh, season's theme, which is season 11 is we're all gonna die <laughs> and it it has been a series of movies about uh, catastrophes that feature the likes of uh, the war of the worlds and outbreak and kingdom of the spiders mm. uh basically any movie in which uh something kills or wants to kill all of humanity and uh it is very silly we start the show with a little bit of a story about the movie or about uh, something related to the movie. And then, uh, then we talk about the movie for about 90 minutes and really goof on it. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun. So I'm very proud of that. And, uh, legionpodcasts.com is where you can find, um, all the other stuff I do, including hero, hero, go show. And there are tons of other shows. Also, Duncan, Mm -hmm. if you go to youtube.com forward slash legion podcasts, you can find playlists of all your favorite shows, on the uh, Legion Podcast Network. Um, so if you, uh, for some reason, if you're like, fuck a bunch of podcasts, <laughs> I don't, don't want to listen to stuff just with my ears alone, uh, go over to YouTube and uh, and subscribe to the Legion Podcasts channel, and there you can get a, uh, a an online YouTube version of all the shows. Nice, nice. Well, thank you very much, Bo Ransdell, for stepping in to, like we said, an almost unfillable position of Ryan Lewis, who hopefully will be on the mend and be returning for whatever the next Russian Roulette franchise retro is. Um, also worth saying, you know, check out that Duncan and Bo Come Correct when you get a chance. Like, me oh, Bo, yeah. Yeah, me and Bo do some stuff over there. It's, it's now a monthly show, but it's goofy, it's fun. Um, and if you've enjoyed you know- half of what we've been discussing <laughs> here, chances are you will enjoy what we do over there. I, I forget to mention that when I'm talking to you because I feel like you already know that we do a show. Yeah. <laughs> and I forget that other people are not as, as privy to that knowledge as you and I are. Yeah, but that's fine. Though. People should check it out. It's on Legion Podcast Network as well. Thank you very much, Borans, though. Right, I'm going to take my final break. When I come back, I'm closing out the show and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to that podcast Under the Stairs. This has been, ladies and gents, episode 225. The Russian Roulette franchise retro continues on the Phantasm series and we reviewed Phantasm 2. Thank you very much to my guest, Bo Ransdell, stepping in to the hot seat to replace, kind of, Ryan Lewis, no one really replaces Ryan Lewis and once again speedy recovery to my brother from another mother over in the States I hope you're feeling better soon Ryan and you're back on the show there's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs but if you're listening to us right now make sure you subscribe, that way you never miss an episode that we put out and to be honest we're putting out a lot, four episodes a week come from under the stairs and subscribing to that feed is the only way to guarantee you get them as and when they drop Check out the Teapots Collective while you're at it. It drops one episode a week. So that's an additional episode of my voice for you, for free, if you subscribe to the Teapots Collective. So make sure you do that. 
You can visit our website, it's tpluscast.com. You can check us out um, for some merch which supports this show by going to tpluscast.bigcartel.com. You can go to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tpluscast. And if you want to check out the Facebook page for the Teapots Collective, that is facebook.com forward slash tpluscast. You can interact with myself and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexiness, Instagram and Twitter, both can be followed at tpluscast. Why not check us out on the Flick Chat app at social media for podcasters and listeners to interact through message boards. We have our own page over there. You can download the app free for Android and iOS on any device and then join us by typing in Cast for the join code and then get yourself involved with that. I revamped it recently, streamlined it, so it's a really good place as a one-stop shop to see what's coming out on what day. So that's Flick Chat. Do it. Do it now. The podcast Under the Stairs will return to you on Thursday for Movie Club. You have until Wednesday to get your reviews in. But until then, wherever you are, what the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from Under the Stairs and I am signing off.